Hello, and welcome to Becker's Dental and DSO Reviews. I'm Gabrielle Mason, Assistant Editor at Becker's Healthcare. Today, we'll be discussing recruitment strategies, growth goals, and how DSOs can separate themselves from the competition. Joining us today, we have Mark Greenstein, Executive Vice President and Chief Growth Officer at Heartland Dental, Osama Funes, DDS, Owner of Dentology, Mark Lockis, CEO for Southern Dental Alliance, and Lee Feenberg, CEO for Mid-Atlantic Dental Partners. Before we get started, I'd love for our panelists to introduce themselves a little bit further. Mark Lockis, would you like to start? Certainly, thank you for having me. And I'm pleased to be here, particularly with such distinguished fellow panelists. I run Southern Dental Alliance, which I am a founder of, along with Dr. Jim Nassim and Dr. Miguel Hernandez. We've been around since 2012. We currently operate 45 practices in Georgia, South Carolina, and Tennessee. And prior to Southern Dental Alliance, I worked in two other DSOs. So I've been in this industry since 2007 and really excited about where we are um, and where we're going. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here. Mark, I'll hand it over to the other Mark. <laughs> Thanks, Gabby. Hello, everyone. I'm very happy to be with you today. Mark Greenstein. I'm in, uh, entering my seventh year uh, at Heartland Dental, where I'm responsible for uh, our growth, which includes our de novos, as well as our um, affiliation or acquisition uh, activities. Uh, I also handle our payer relationships, so the uh, PPOs and uh, insurance companies, as well as our clinical supplies and equipment uh, strategic sourcing activities. I sit on our senior leadership team and Heartland was founded in the late 90s by Dr. Rick Workman and currently is about 1,520 practices uh, across 38 states. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mark. Lee? Hey, everybody. I'm Lee Feinberg. I'm the CEO of uh, Mid-Atlantic Dental Partners. Uh, company started in 2016, and uh, through, I joined in September of 2017, uh, had about four practices, and we uh, grew through affiliations and uh, about 20, 220 practices throughout the country right now. Um, I've been there for a little over four years. Um, really excited to uh, be on this panel today and talk about the topics that we have ahead of us, and uh, thanks for the opportunity. Of course. And yes, I know we have a lot to talk about. Last but not least, Dr. Funas. Hi, my name is Osama Funas, uh, one of three founders of Dentology, along with my other partner, Sue Ellen Haney, uh, founded in 2013. Um, we actually, people don't know this, but we've actually known each other for almost two decades. Uh, so very close friends and uh, started with the idea of just being beautifully branded, being in A-plus locations. Um, and we've gotten to the point now where we have four locations, uh, about 13 or so docs, uh, total staff about 70 plus. Um, so that's where we are at the moment. Great. Well, again, thank you all for being here today. We'll dive right into our first question, which I'll direct towards Lee first. Um, so what successful recruitment and retention strategies has your organization implemented recently? Yeah, it's probably the hot topic of the uh, conversation today um, for us and, and for everybody, you know, in any other industry is uh, really talent um, acquisition and uh, 
you know, I've always believed in find the best people that you can uh, train the heck out of them and never let them go. Um, and that was put to uh, the test during the uh, pandemic, as you've seen with us and with everybody else. Um, uh, people stayed home um, and some of them stayed home and never came back. And some of them went home. And um, I think the gig economy has impacted things where people have found that they're able to, you know, drive for Uber or Uber Eats or um, DoorDash or stuff like that. And they can make money in the way that they want to make money for their quality of life and to spend time with their family. And it's really redefined, you know, the concept of one, uh, a centralized headquarters where people go every day. You know, I read these articles, I'm sure most of you do that come out constantly, then some of them are uh, specific to us and some of them are specific to other industries. And you read about hygienists where, uh, you know, supposedly 8% of the uh, hygienists in the country decided not to return back to work. And um, a lot of us kind of intermingle in these, uh, these dense markets, right? The DSOs exist in um, some very overlapped markets, not necessarily, um, you know, like South Dakota or something like that. We're in Texas, we're in Ohio, we're in Georgia, we're in Florida, and there's a lot of competition and we're all looking for people from, um, you know, the same pool. There's only so many dental assistants, there's only so many dentists, there's only so many hygienists. So how do you differentiate yourself and stand out from the competition? And for me, um, coming from working in an office and knowing what I liked and didn't like about working for uh, larger organizations, you know, actually sitting at the front desk myself, um, it's always been, it starts with, and it's always been about, and it'll always be about the people, how you treat people um, when times are good or when times are bad really is demonstrative of the kind of organization that you are. So when this all started, we didn't have the most control over what was happening. People were afraid. There was a lot of panic. Um, I think the fear and panic has probably subsided to a degree, but there's definitely still some um, you know, people are unsettled um, with where they are and they're looking and they're reevaluating their lives and their careers in terms of, you know, am I doing what I want to be doing? How long do I want to be doing it? Um, what's my career path looking like? So, you know, in terms of who we're looking for, we're still looking for the best. When there's openings, um, even though it's difficult, you don't want to compromise on your values and make bad hiring decisions and put a bad apple on the team. Right. I'd rather go without than make sure that I have the right talent in the practices doing their job, which is the most important job is taking care of the patients. Um, so we're still trying to attract the best talent that we possibly can, um, augmenting benefits, um, schedules, things of that nature that everybody here is probably doing. But really focused our L&D department more than ever on developing that career path for them. So, you know, if you're a dental assistant or a patient experience coordinator or an operations leader, and you'd like to be a vice president of operations or whatever position you might have, showing them that career path, um, what they have to do to get there, how long it's going to be to get there. So they know, hey, I'm not just here for a job, but this is a career. And it's not just going to be this way for, you know, indefinitely that I have opportunities to advance in terms of responsibility, advance um, financially, and uh, really make sure that they feel like they're a part of something. And, and that's difficult. And the, and the larger that you get and the less people you can actually touch, um, it's more and more difficult. Um, and the exciting part, you know, a lot of people, I'm kind of the uh, eternal optimist. A lot of people might get down in situations like this and, you know, there's panic and there's fear and there's uncertainty. And, you know, in, in chaos, I've always found that there's opportunity. So with the people that we're getting able to meet now, we're able to do a better job of, onboarding them, creating that culture, creating that experience, and ultimately creating a brand ambassador and flag waiver for the organization if we do it well, right? So it's our opportunity. 
Um, with great power comes great responsibility for all of my Marvel fans out there. And that's kind of uh, how I view it by having the responsibility of getting in front of the people that are joining our organization now, making sure that we're not letting them down and we're creating something they want to be a part of in the long run. Because at the end of the day, they're going to be doing dentistry for us. They're going to be doing dentistry for anybody else on this panel. There's not a lot of variation in terms of what you're going to be doing in your day to day, but there can be a lot of di differentiation in terms of the experience that you have with the people that you work in and the environment that you're in. So trying to make that as positive, enjoyable and uh, rewarding as possible for them. I loved what you said about finding the opportunities in the chaos. Um, I think that's great. Um, Dr. Funas, I'm curious um, what your organization is seeing since you have a, on a smaller scale. Have you had the same things be successful? What have you seen? Uh, to Lee's point, it's true. It, it was a really difficult, tough time um, coming. I think some of the things that we were really proud of is uh, even though there was a period of time we had to let some people go on furlough, whatever it may be, um, one thing we were very certain of is we were going to make sure people always had their medical insurance. Uh, so throughout the whole process, regardless if we furloughed or not, they maintained it for the next whatever, how long it was. Um, so I think showing that allows you to have some level of retention with your existing team because they're like, hey, this team actually believes in this more than just that we're here just to do that. Um, in terms of other things that have dramatically evolved or changed, I would say uh, we started really trying to look for people with a knack for certain personality types. So we have three Ps in our organization. It's positivity, professionalism, um, and personality. And of those, we started noticing that, hey, even if you don't have a dental background, let's focus on these elements first. And because of that, we were able to really kind of hone in on people who truly would buy into our vision quicker. Um, and then from there, just became more a matter of improving our training protocols, which is, as the other panelists know, it's a, it's a work in progress <laughs> as you continue growing. Um, I can't even imagine the guys who have over a few hundred locations, how that process kind of goes in itself. Uh, but at this time, I think the biggest shift was going towards people who were, who worked in retail, not necessarily dental, and then getting them up to speed and understanding what just happens to be a little different about dentistry. Because ultimately, we're in the business of people. And regardless of the industry that you're in, it's how do you treat people with a certain level of respect, but also how do you go above and beyond for customer service? Um, so that's where we're at now. Right. So it's still finding people in the service industry maybe don't have a dental background necessarily, but the three Ps, I like that as well. Mm -hmm. Mark, I'm curious, um, at Southern, do you have any evolving initiatives, anything um, in the works for recruitment, retention strategies? At the environment's incredibly competitive, particularly in our metro environments. Um, some of the things we're doing differently are, we're, first, we're very proud of our retention um, particularly with our providers, that the doctor-centric model, the degree of autonomy that we offer, we have you know, very solid retention on, on the doctor end. But with the literal decline in the number of practitioners, meaning primarily hygienists, uh, we as an, as an organization and as an industry just need to think differently and think you know, forward things like, how do you use artificial intelligence to make ourselves more efficient? I don't know yet, but it's coming. 
And several of us are heading to the ADSO where we're gonna, tomorrow, where we're gonna start seeing some of that. But it's also different provider models. We're expanding our use of expanded function dental assistance to do more work in our practices that has always been possible, but now it's just urgently necessary. We're blessed that our practices, um, there's a very high demand. So we've got capacity issues and perhaps the same str struggles everybody has. The markets are so uh, strong that employees, it's an employee market. Um, some of it is we just need to react appropriately, be proactive in recognizing that the market is changing. And frankly, if the prices of people are going up, the very first thing we need to do is the commitment to our current employees, despite the fact that it you know, creates profit pressure. That's not their fault. You know, we need to react. But it is. And this, I believe in the DSO model. We can adjust the business models. Again, something like the use of AI or the changing provider mix, um, changing the way care is delivered, always doctor-led, always with the patient uh, foremost in mind. So the key for us is what can we do differently now? Absolutely. And, you know, shifting topics a little bit, but Mark, I'd love to hear you add on anything as well um, in regards to that. But I know you're the EVP and Chief Growth Officer at Heartland. Um, so I'm curious how during this time you're still tapping into new markets or how you're expanding. What's your growth strategy? Sure. Um, the only thing I would, I would just build on the recruiting piece, and certainly I, I think it it's, it's system-wide, it's in many industries, so we're all feeling the challenges that are out there, is that great recruiting starts with great retention. So one of the things we're doing is um, looking internally at who are, who are our good ones and how do we make sure we keep our good ones, we call them, right? Our good, whether it's doctors, hygienists, dental assistants, business assistants, field support folks or folks in our support offices. Um, let's make sure we're, we're taking great care of the folks who are... Uh, who are supporting our offices and teams today. Uh, and then uh, making sure we're communicating with uh, our nationwide network of, of recruiters and that they're putting the right messages out there about opportunities uh, for Heartland. And one of the things Heartland did during the pandemic is uh, for our doctors, we, we even when we were shut down, we, we continued to pay their full salaries. So um, uh, ma making sure that says, a for us about what the values are. I'm sure all of the folks on this call have uh, their own values and making sure their, their mission, vision, and values are first and foremost out there uh, so the market understands uh, the opportunities that everybody uh, uh, can present. And, and, and I, I think as a whole, the industry is navigating as well as it can in a very, very difficult situation. Everybody's stepping up to plate. The good news I hear is patients are getting great care from wherever they're going. And that's what counts, uh, right? So, uh, you know, everybody's working double hard here, but I, I think uh, it's a great impact and everybody's hiring great folks. In terms of new markets and growth going forward, there, you know, growth comes in many forms. It comes in terms of services that can be offered to patients. Uh, we continue to see very strong demand for uh, uh, treatments like Invisalign, uh, uh, implant-based uh, treatments, uh, smile designs and uh, full arch uh, procedures and uh, 
you know, they continue to um, fuel, uh, I think, uh, great traffic in the dental practices and ask for patients to improve their smile. We're all sitting here on a Zoom call. It's the Zoom generation, right? We're all looking at our smiles. And I think for the last couple of years now, we've all been looking at smiles far more than ever before. And I think that's just uh, given a new, a, a new lease on life to the importance of oral health. So as a society, you know, uh, it's just fantastic to see so many folks coming into the dental practices looking to improve their oral health, improve their smile. So I think that's a big win. So we're, we're paying particular attention to those on the procedure side. How do we support our doctors? Heartland already is the largest provider of dental education in the country. Um, how, do we, how do we expand that across all of the services that our doctors are interested in providing to their patients and, um, uh, and making sure we're giving them the, the clinical training and also uh, to our teams, uh, the training that they need to have the conversations uh, with the patients uh, uh, going forward. I think the other, uh, on the footprint side, uh, it is a very, uh, on the affiliation side, it's a very rich market. We'll have a record year of growth. This year we'll add, you know, probably 150 to 200 practices via affiliation this year. Um, that would be uh, uh, solo and small groups, two, three, four, five, six offices types. In addition, uh, as you may have seen, Heartland uh, uh, affiliated with American Dental Partners earlier this year, which was another 275 practices. Um, that came on. And then we'll, we'll also uh, open uh, about 65 de novos this year um, across the country. So, um, uh, you know, it's a lot of growth. Uh, the, the markets we go for de, de novos will be the, you know, the most exciting markets in the country in terms of population shifts. There is a population migration taking place. So Florida, Southern states, Florida, Arizona, Texas, Georgia, Tennessee uh, are all seeing great uh, penetration of, uh, of, of our de novo program in addition to affiliations uh, as we look to, uh, to meet where the population is and uh, meet the services that they're asking for from our supported doctors and teams. So lots, lots going on. This, you know, I was just talking to someone, I'll, I'll close with this. I don't think the opportunities in dentistry were ever as great as they are right now. And, 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 there's a lot of measures you can look at that, but any one of, they're all up. Every, every single measure where you, you wanna look at is up. And that's despite all of these recruiting challenges that we're facing. Um, and, and I think that's a real win for the industry and, and for the work that everybody has been doing in the last several years. So um, uh, it's fantastic. Oral health care is on the rise in America. That's great for society. Congress is debating right now what, what, what could potentially be the largest change in, in dentistry, in, at least in my generation, you know, in a generation with Medicare. And, and so it, if we're talking about potential growth, uh, how that plays out will have a very big impact on how the, uh, the sector as a whole moves forward. Absolutely. And I think the pandemic has really accelerated the growth just beyond what anyone saw coming. Well, my last question, which I do want to hear from all of you about. Lee, I'll ask you first. Um, what's one way Mid-Atlantic is distinguishing itself, separating itself from others, especially in this competitive market? Yeah, I, I think I touched on that a, a little bit earlier <clears throat> when I was talking. And it, it, it's really the, the people aspect. It's, you know, I've always believed, you know, people always used to have a 
philosophy that people were replaceable, that they were expendable. And, you know, in some industries, I, I think that's probably true um, that, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter um, who's doing the job as long as the job is getting done. I, I think that couldn't be further from the truth when it comes to dentistry, um, e even more than particular areas of medicine, right? If you're a family practice physician working in an urgent care and somebody's coming in with a minor laceration or they're sick, you're doing stitches, you're prescribing antibiotics and that person's leaving. Whereas in dentistry, um, their success and their performance um, comes down to uh, education and, and uh, the value or the perceived value of that education, you know, uh, for the patient understanding and making the decision to move forward with the treatment plan. Um, and hand skills are very important for the dentist in terms of being, one, the quality of the work that they're able to do, um, two, the uh, time frame that they're able to do this work in, how they're working with their assistants, and they're impacted by their teams so much. Like, you could have a great dentist and a bad team and not be successful. You can have a great team and a bad dentist and you're definitely not going to be successful. It, it's a pyramid of people that are in the practice and you need all of them to really be able to kind of reach that high level on the pyramid. So the way that we're treating people and the way that, you know, you matter, right? Like everybody that works in our organization, it's important to me personally that they understand that they're valued, appreciated, that they matter, that you're not replaceable, that we genuinely, I genuinely want you to be a part of this organization and you add the most value. They're the most important part of our organization. They're the patient facing um, part of our team. They have very difficult jobs that they do. Um, in the last, you know, 18, 20 months, they've been even more difficult with the circumstances that they've been going into practices and, and working endlessly on. And, and how do you value them and, and show them that? Because, you know, you want to, I want to tell them all the time, you get emails, we have Zoom calls, and, you know, we, we value you. We appreciate you, but it's the actions that you take and the little opportunities that you get to let somebody know that you really care about them. I've been doing a lot of reading in terms of uh, uh, empathy and right. There's a lot of literature out there on empathy is probably the number one leadership uh, quality. Uh, I don't know if that was before or currently. I, I think currently there's a lot of uh, truth to that because people were scared and they were nervous and they didn't know where to look. And when you, how you treat people during those times, we did, I forget which panelist mentioned it earlier. I think it was Dr. Funas. I, I agree with you entirely. Even though the people that weren't able to come to work at the beginning of the pandemic, it was so important to make sure that they had their health insurance so that they could take care of their families. And it's, it's those little things like what you did was exactly um, what you should do as a good human. It's what we did too. And you don't even put a second thought to that. You probably didn't either. It's, it's the right thing to do. These are our team members. We need to take care of them. So any opportunity you have to let them know that you're going to take an action that is the right action, um, regardless of whether it's sometimes it's not the best thing for the business. And those are conversations that you have to have internally. This is the right thing that we're going to do for our people. And I think, you know, doing right by your people, using that as your true north gives you the opportunity for those little victories to where they say, hey, this guy's not just saying that he cares about us and that we have value, but like he's actually showing us. And I wish I could do more and I wish we could do more quicker. <laughs> But it, it, the, every opportunity like that, for me, it's uh, every decision and every action uh, to an extent is about precedent. How we, do, how we respond to this right now is demonstrative of what our organization is moving forward and are we making the right decision and are we taking the right action? So it's the interactions with them, it's the actions for them. And uh, 
that, that's kind of how we're approaching it. But it, we have career paths. We do dentistry. The people on this call have career paths. They do dentistry. You know, you can get a burger at 20 different places. Why do you go to the place that you go to for your burger? You know, an, an easier example would probably be Chick-fil-A. Like how wonderful is the experience when you go to Chick-fil-A? It's so nice. There could be 50 cars in the drive-through line. It's like, oh, we'll put up a tent. We'll bring out two or three people. We'll do it on tablets in front of you. They're showing that they really care about the experience that people are having there. And I care more than the experience about the patient. And I know that's important. It's probably a weird thing for me to say. I care more about the experience that the people that are on my team have, because if they have the right experience and they're engaged, I don't need to care about how the patient experience is because they care about the patient experience and I know they're going to do a great job for it. So that's a little bit loquacious answer to an easy question, but that's what I got. Those empathy empathy fueled actions even if they don't appear to be maybe the best or most practical business move i think in the long run are they pay yeah. off the most mark how is southern dental alliance distinguishing itself right now i think as an industry we're benefiting from uh, all of the work we've all done it is easier for us to attract and, and get into conversations with doctors. Um, and that's because we have demonstrated as an industry, we had real value. Then our company was founded and uh, perhaps a leader on the idea that the doctors have a lot of say and autonomy, um, even within as associates underneath the umbrella of the owners, to the point where when we're speaking to doctors as recruits or as potential affiliation type uh, uh, targets, what we like to say is, I'm not going to give you a list of references. Go out to our website, pick a doctor, and I'll give you the phone number. Call them. Um, you know, we're, forgive me, we're that good. And that's powerful. And um, it works. So Another thing that we um, are absolutely doing is you know, leveraging the fact that we've already had several uh, board of dental board members join our uh, company, and the most recent is a doctor who was on the board for 20 years, and that just gives us some credibility that we must be doing something right if organized dent. And of course, we're not the only ones. Um, but I, I think that's a competitive advantage that um, is easier to show a local doctor, hey, that guy did it. If he did, maybe we're doing something right. Absolutely. Dr. Funas? So uh, in terms of distinguishing ourselves, I would say that from the patient or consumer end, that that have, for us has always been a draw of the retail end of things. So uh, we always are going for familiarity. So what does it feel like when you go to a certain type of retail business? Is it equally felt that way when you walk into the office? Um, from the employee side, I have to agree with, uh, with Lee and even Mark that uh, it's, a, it's a lot of it's about the investment in the team. Um, so our culture in the end of the day is what drives the patient experience. It's what drives uh, further from patients coming back again. Um, so from that end, uh, how we've done certain things is, 
you know, obviously you have your events that you can do with your employees, but it's, it really is putting your money where your mouth is. So it's still one of the things that we love doing that makes us a little different sometimes is like a surprise and delight aspect. I will say we did take that idea from Starbucks and it's essentially just doing random little things like, Hey, I noticed that an assistant picked up an extra shift because somebody called off here's 50 bucks. Thank you so much. Like it's just, it's showing it. It's so it's actually literally showing your team. Hey, I see you. I appreciate it. And you know, we won't forget it kind of thing. Um, so those little moments for us really make quite a bit of difference. And, uh, um, and as the team has said, this is, this is an ever evolving thing. So hopefully uh, we can all keep kind of sharing these thoughts and ideas with each other so we can continue growing this industry. Um, because again, as, as biased as it is, I, I think this is a great industry to be in. <laughs> Definitely, and can't go wrong taking advice from Starbucks, probably. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, lastly, Mark, how is Heartland distinguishing itself? We're distinguishing ourselves by focusing on our doctors um, and making sure we stay very close to their needs and their uh, desires as they look to serve their communities, uh, whether it's uh, education that they're looking for or it's support uh, inside of their practices with various uh, non-clinical operations or it's help on uh, getting uh, supplies, labs, payer fees uh, in line with uh, what they want. Uh, I think all of us here at Heartland are just, you know, very focused in these uncertain times with making the rounds to our doctors and make sure we're listening. We've got our listening hats on. Um, healthy dose of empathy. Um, there's a lot of, you know, doctors are people too. They're going through all sorts of stuff out there and their communities are going through all sorts of stuff. I think about the Southeast when uh, there was a spike over the summer uh, and, uh, you know, that takes both a physical and an emotional toll. And, and you know, I, I sometimes think, you know, we call our, our offices support offices for a reason. They, that support can be both in terms of doing things and it can also be just lending a, a helpful ear and, uh, and helping doctors uh, and their teams uh, think through what uh, they're going through and how we can best uh, uh, provide them uh, a helping hand. So, um, it's, uh, it's the formula we've used for, you know, 25, 30 years now, a little more, and uh, keep, uh, keep focusing uh, on that, uh, those, those pillars of support and education uh, for our doctors and their teams. Well, thank you all so much for sharing your insight with us today. And thank you to our audience for tuning in today. And 